Hello, hello. Welcome to Off Air. It's your weekly news and pop podcast where two mates, Nick Stewart and myself, Tim Rubin, who have worked in the media in various forms for something like 20 years between us across breakfast radio, television, theatre, digital media. Basically, we use our skills and we break down the top three stories of the week. Plus, you help us do it as well because we've got a Facebook group. It's called Off Air Podcast Community. You can jump onto Facebook. It's a private group. You can request to join. Inside the group, we discuss the different topics. This week, we are going to be tackling HMAS Twerk. It's the video that caught everybody's attention. Was it wrong or was it so damn right? Plus, the first Aussie influencers that have been fined for their hashtag sponsored content. And Elon Musk's neural link. It's being taken to the next level. Are we on board? What is our mandate? Tim Rubin. It's super creepy to reanimate somebody's dead father for their birthday. Nick Stewart. I really leaned into trying to get radicalised by ISIS. You're listening to Off Air. I believe it's this. I've been, um, you know about this already, but I've been having the most old person experience this week. Um, mm. I have like a real old man's uh, injury from jiu-jitsu and now it's having like an old man flow-on effect throughout the whole rest of my life and every single part of it is progressively worse and makes me feel like I'm just <laughs> like I'm just shuffling to the end. So I, I, You're a very active guy, mm-hmm. but explains what, explain what happened. So I hurt my back in jiu-jitsu. And then, like, like badly as well. So I really, it was painful for me to, like, get out of bed or do anything. So I took a lot of anti-inflammatories. You can get those Voltaren ones that are really strong for, like, a three-day oh, yeah. period. Um, just, just straight. Just taking them every, I don't know, four to six hours or something. Oh, well, I thought it was, like, one a day or two no, a day. No, I was taking them, like, a, like consistently. Oh. I couldn't move. And then they have the effect, their side effect is they kill all the good bacteria in your stomach. So now I have crippling stomach pain. (laughs) And it's, but also that doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem. No. Like, you know, the anti-inflammatories doesn't fix what's happening. No, it, it just, just takes off. Yeah. That's all I wanted. Food. That's all I wanted, Nick. And now I have these, now I have the worst. I feel like I'm experiencing, like, I don't know if this is what uh, having your first period feels like, but I'm, oh, gee. I'm cramping. Oh, See, now, now you're also saying weird old man shit. Yeah. It's broken you down. That's a weird old man thing to say. I'm sure it's nothing like the menstruation process. So I'm having these stomach cramps just forever. And then because of that, I'm like not eating because it hurts. And so now I'm mm. just feeble and tired because I haven't eaten anything. So gambling real. I'm kicking goals. Affecting your whole demeanor. You look disheveled. You you don't look that happy. You Mm -hmm. came in all frumpy. I I initially said the second that we started talking to each other, how are you? And you went, oh, well, you know, (laughs) which is something only people over the age of Uh, 70 say. What can you expect? I'm here. What more do you want? (laughs) Should we give me a real upper of a 40 minutes? Mm. I'm feeling good about this. Story number one. Nick, last week, HMAS Supply was launched in Sydney Harbour. The ship is intended to carry fuel, dry cargo, water, food, ammunition, equipment, and spare parts. But no one cares about any of that or what the boat does because everyone is talking about what happened at its launch event, 
where the government organized a dance group called 101 Doll Squadron, which were seven scantily clad women in tiny little booty shorts and red army hats twerking in front of the boat. Yeah. Nick, I'm guessing you, like every other person in Australia, have seen that video. <laughs> what did you think? I was introduced to it by my fiance, who spent a she, jazz spent six hours on the couch cry laughing watching it on repeat. <laughs> Initially, because it's, I think it's important to clarify the. I think we all got introduced to it uh, through the ABC's video, mm-hmm. and the ABC made some curious cuts where they added in footage from well after the event and well before the event to make it looked even more so like there was a bunch of very old, confused senior military people sitting there watching it. It would cut back and forward between just incredible booty shaking and then Peter Dutton's cold, dry face. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which made it even funnier. Look, I personally, I thought it was probably the inappropriate performance for that event. But it didn't stop it from being hilarious. It looked like a scene out of The Office. That's literally what it looked like to me. It was There was such a huge juxtaposition behind those two things occurring together that it was it was ridiculous. It was just ridiculous to watch. Now, a lot of people, I, I, you're laughing at it. I thought it was great. A lot of people have been quite up in arms about this. Jackie Lambie, um, who we know from Australian politics, but is also an army veteran, uh, she said mm. that it was an absolute shocker of a decision from military leadership. She said, good on those young ladies for getting out there, but I tell you, being half-clothed outside a warship is probably inappropriate. <laughs> I agree. I agree completely with her. I think as well, um, my, I have, um, my fiance and I both have family uh, who are in the military, uh, some are in the Navy. They aren't even allowed to wear short shorts to work out. Like they can't go to the gym and wear shorts that are below a certain length. So even in that respect, it was weirdly, in my opinion, inappropriate. And, and again, I agree with Jackie Lambie. Good on those girls for getting out there and doing their thing. They were there to do a performance, but whoever booked that clearly fucked up royally. And you can imagine the you can imagine the meeting, the post meeting there in the events team would have been harsh. You have a different opinion though. I do have a different opinion. And I actually I want you to walk me through your opinion in a moment. Because I feel like I mean, so they're they're launching a boat. It's a celebration. Firstly, I think it's great that the government is spending money on the arts. And again, good for those girls for getting paid to do their dance routine at such a big event. I'm sure it was a pretty good cash job. Um, I don't see, I mean, it's a freaking boat. There's no, like, the boat's not offended. I can't get my head around what is offensive or inappropriate about this. Can you just walk me through your perspective I mean, I want to say like I'm an alien or someone that doesn't understand, but I genuinely don't understand. So walk me through, why is it inappropriate to have that dancing at a, at a boat launch? I don't care. I think it's inappropriate because of the fact that the defense force in general, and specifically in Australia, any defense force is steeped in a proud history based around a certain level of discipline and responsibility. And that uh, that was just not the right. There's a million different ways they could have launched that boat and a million different performances they could have had. And I don't think that necessarily was the right one to have. I mean, the Navy has uh, a band. 
I think a performance from the Navy band would have been a great way to do it. Uh, I think from a singer singing the national anthem would have been a great way to do it, but I don't think it is particularly representative. It's certainly representative and it's totally fine to exist. And, and I have no issues with those dancers in other situations, but that is an event that there's going to be small children at. Um, there's going to be families. Oh, no, no, of- no, 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 no. Don't give me the small children. Any kid that has access to the internet has seen twerking. Anyone that's seen a Miley Cyrus or a Beyonce film clip, these, uh, this is not going to burn children's eyes out. There's no way that you would take no. issue with that. I do. Oh, are you serious? And a kid Mate, you see- are, you are, okay, hold on. You are coming at this from a, I think you need to recognize that your perspective is not the the perspective of the majority of people in this country and you are particularly more liberal in your values and views towards the arts than everyday people. Yeah, for sure. You went to clown yeah. school in France. <laughs> I mean, for a start, you're never fucking lining up for the army. So, <laughs> you, but you don't you, really you think that that's an offensive thing for a child to see, do you? Yeah, it's just as much as I, just as much as I don't think that a child should watch the film clip to WAP. <laughs> yeah, like, well, is fair. that not an thing to say? Uh, yeah, fair enough for the film clip to WAP. <laughs> So that's where I'm sort of, and also there's a lot of older people who have steeped in tradition. And so I, I, I cast a really big blanket across the defense force because it's something I don't have the inf- internal fortitude to do. I don't have the internal fortitude to specifically put my life on the line. Like you make a decision when you sign up to the defense force that you are willing to die for your country. And that's a decision I've never made. So I immediately respect those people significantly more. And you had a number of senior figures who have committed to that vision for their whole lives. And I just think there was slightly more appropriate ways for that to be represented than the Babe Squadron 101. And even the fact that they're called the Squadron. Oh, no. Even the fact they're called the Doll Squadron 101 and they were wearing red berets was yeah, weird. The beret thing, I didn't quite. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I w- I, okay, so I've got a question for you because I, yes. um, I looked up the Doll Squadron 101 or the Babe Squadron as which, that could take, <laughs> that could take off. Take off. Um, so they are a community dance squad with members from indigenous and multiracial backgrounds. This is from their from their pages. Uh, with indigenous and multiracial members from a community-based dance group, the dance itself was made up of a choreographic and musical elements that included referencing blessings, the waves of the ocean, and our geographical location of where the fresh water meets the sea. Um, did they mean to book something else? I think there's every possibility that probably reading that, if I read that description. If you're an army booker and, I'm, yeah, and you hear exactly. indigenous dance, community dance group, representing the blessings of the waves, meeting the fresh water, you, is it possible that- you don't, you don't think you're getting an NBA halftime show. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. When you read that paragraph- you don't think you're getting the background to the next um, DJ Khaled film clip. The up twerk so, yeah. represents the ocean and the downward <laughs> twerk represents the sea. And when I 
I know you're trying to be. I know, and I saw you post in our off-air mm-hmm. community group. Yeah. And I know what you're. Tr- you're trying to be an agitator, and I know you're trying. I'm not to trying be to be an agitator. Up. This is how I feel. You are I'm being. No, it's not. You. F- you know that how ridiculous this scenario was. <laughs> Deep down inside, come on. Let's hear what people wrote on the Facebook group. Um, Hannah, this is in our Facebook group uh, off-air podcast community. Hannah wrote, "I actually loved it." Loved was in caps locks. She said, anything that stirs up and challenges people, um, I automatically adore it. The footage was edited like a scene out of The Office. Also loved that. So, yeah, that's, I think, both of our perspectives. Belinda wrote, I don't understand why the dance troupe is being blamed and attacked when someone in the government booked and paid for it. They just fulfilled their gig. This actually references a second part to the story. So you brought up that, uh, yes, some of the footage that we've seen by the ABC was edited. Uh, There's been a new story that has come out by SBS. They've gotten into contact with 101 Doll Squadron, and many of the members have said that they don't feel safe anymore, that they've all been Mm -hmm. or that many of them have been personally attacked on social media. Are we on the same page that that's not on? Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. 100% on the same page there. A- a- any abuse that these poor girls got. Because it's, again, it's not their fault in any way whatsoever. They were booked for an event. They've turned up to do it. It is absolutely on the bookers. And for them to receive any personal abuse, I mean, other than the fact they were particularly out of time, uh, Jazz, my fiance, has a professional dancing background, and she made the point. Look, it wasn't exactly the best choreographed, <laughs> and so I mean, maybe for their performance from a critiquing standpoint, for them to grow. But any sort of abuse is just absolutely ridiculous, and you know, you're a childish human being. There's plenty of those out there to pick on them. Yeah, I think I 100 percent agree. And which whichever side of the coin you do land on, whether you uh, align with Nick and think that it was inappropriate, or you align with me and oh, think. Like a- some sort of crazy Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, alt-right fucking... That's your ever. opinion. Or you align with me and you think that it's great that that dance happened. Either way, the point is that nobody should be messaging the dancers in particular. They got booked. They showed up. They did their thing. If you're angry at anybody, be angry at the bookers. Um, Stephen wrote, was this Prince Philip's memorial? Which I thought was quite funny. I thought that was a great comment. And Nola wrote, I'm a dancer and choreographer, and I think it was most inappropriate. The occasion called for something with a bit more pomp, perhaps nautical instead of naughty. Thanks for that. Ooh, a little bit of yeah, sass, like Nola. That. Yeah. All right, we just agree to disagree, but um, should I book them? Should I book them for your bucks? Yeah, obvious, absolutely. Anything else other than launching a giant weapon that is to, to propel us? Yes, yeah, yeah. Book them for the bucks, though. All right, they'll be there. Story number two: The Australian Association of National Advertisers is a newly formed watchdog organisation that basically makes the rules about ads in this country. And in March, they updated a bunch of things in their code of ethics. Uh, we did it as a topic in the podcast when it happened. And one section that they updated was to do with the oversexualization in ads. Um, so that was mm. basically you can't have sexualized ads anymore. Yeah by Australian ethics. So like you can't have But you can launch votes according to Tim Rubin. <laughs> That's not you're sexualizing them. They're just doing a dance. 
So, sure. for example, <laughs> you can't have a naked lady selling a car anymore, but you can have a naked lady selling a naked lady thing like clothes, which you'd need if you were naked. Um, mm. So that was the part of it that we focused on at the time. The other thing that the ethics update is uh, working on is the labeling of advertising. And in particular, they're now cracking down on ads, especially on social media, being distinguishable. Um, which in day-to-day terms means if an influencer posts an ad, it has to have sponsored content written somewhere on it. It has to be tagged as sponsored content or say hashtag sponsored content. Um, Anna Heinrich is an Australian influencer. She actually won The Bachelor at some point. I've never watched it and has uh, 380,000 followers. And she's also the first person to be fined for breaking these laws this week. So she posted a photo Mm. of herself last week in a green dress. She tagged Runaway the label. She did not write paid partnership or sponsored post. Now she's being fined. Nick, I've got a question for you. Are these laws important? In my opinion, no, not so much. I mean, the the social media has been the Wild West for a long time. uh, And we've both worked in traditional media and you do actually have a lot of uh, study and responsibility when it comes to things like cash for comment. It does not stop it from happening. And that's the thing I think is going to happen with social media. I mean, how hard would it be to regulate these things? Because at what point does someone cross over into an influencer? At what point is it considered sponsored content? Mm. Because the other thing that exists in media is contra arrangements. Uh, And that's where it gets very curious. So to break it down quickly, a contra arrangement is like for like or goods for services. So, uh, for example, a radio station might give an advertising package to a restaurant uh, and say that value of that is $2,000, that restaurant then might give them $2,000 worth of goods and services. So they can take clients there, they can eat lunch there, all of those types of things. Is that considered sponsored content under these laws or is it specifically when you have been paid to put up a post? And then secondly, how are you going to police that? Thirdly, does anyone read that deep into the hashtags? Like when you are looking at things on Instagram or social media, do you really go down and read the 57 hashtags that influencers put on things to try to call out brands? So now Instagram, just in in answer to your very last point, Mm. now Instagram has something where you can actually tag something as sponsored content. And so if you are using Mm. it correctly, then that will be right up the top it will say your name, it'll have the little blue tick, and then it will say sponsored content above each post. So that's an answer to that one. The other ones were all really, really good questions. And they're things that I think that um, this, what's it called? ANA, ARMA, um, the Australian Association of National Advertisers, yeah, ANA, is still currently figuring it out. Um, In answer to your how do you police this, do you want to know how they policed this specific example, this first fine that they dished out? So Anna reached out to run away the label and they said, Mm. are you in some type of um, relationship with Anna Heinrich? Have you paid for this post? Run away the label did not respond. And so within a week, they decided that if they haven't gotten a response, they therefore assume that it is paid for in some way and they've then dished out the fine to Anna Heinrich. So it's what was the fine? What was is that public it's knowledge? It's not or? public knowledge, unfortunately. I would love to know what the fine is. 
I'm sure this type of information is going to come out. Do you think that uh, that strikes me as being quite a backward system where we're going to be yeah. reaching out to the brands and if the brands don't respond accordingly, the influences will be struck? Why does why is this important? Have they offered reasoning? Is it in theory to level the playing field with traditional media? Is that where this thought process comes from? Or is it around... I mean, I'm just trying to rack my brain around the the thought process behind these laws because is it going to change anyone's perception of the influences they're following or change their perception of their interaction with that product? So the answer to that is yes. And I think that unlike many topics, I think you and I actually share a very common perspective on this. And I think our perspective is very different to the majority of Australians. So I put mm. on Facebook in the Off Air podcast community group, uh, should influencers have to post or tag sponsored content? The overwhelming response was yes. Um, Kate wrote, yes, I like to know when I'm being sold to. Jess wrote, yes, not all posts are sponsored. Sometimes they use product and want to share it. Phil wrote, yes, sometimes people are being paid to say a product is great. Other times people genuinely just like a product. I would have a feeling, can I take a stab in the dark that, that, and guess that you and I share the same perspective? A lot of these people are saying, yes, not all posts are sponsored. I'm under mm. the belief that every single post where you're sharing some type of product specifically with them tagged and their logo front and center, that is actually sponsored content. And I, I believe that a lot of people are misinformed about how much sponsorship is going on in these influences, uh, stories, posts, reels. I think it's actually interesting because a lot is, there is a lot that isn't with people trying to make themselves appear as if they are influencers. And that's where it gets really curly is I think it's really funny when you see girls who might have 10 or 15,000 put up posts going, oh, thanks so much, Frank's Body Scrub, or thanks so much, blah, blah, uh, multivitamins. And that that's not sponsored. They're just doing that so that they seem more legitimately yeah. as if they're an influencer and trying to spur on other brands. And I think that's the bigger thing is, in answer, I believe it was Kate that, that said she wanted to know when she's being sold yes. to. All the time. Yes. Every second of every single day, regardless of whether you're on social media or off social media, you are 100% being sold to. Even when you listen to, to, to traditional media, when they're not talking about other products, they're generally talking about their brand and that is still selling that brand mm -hmm. to you. We, are, we live in the most saturated period of advertisement ever. If you enjoy the block, the block is literally... Uh, an hour long to an hour and a half long show every single night, which is telling you how good X glass company is, how good freedom furniture is, how good Beaumont tiles is, how good RAV4s are, how good the iPhone they're using is. So I think we have reached the point where even our en entertainment is, is advertising. Yeah. Exactly. This is a question. So this is a question that I had. Uh, there was a back and forth that went on with Katie in the off-air page. She said, "Yes, if it has to happen in all other media forms, then it should have to happen here." Um, if you watch a, a TV show like The Block, like you just mentioned, those sponsored moments are not listed while they're happening. Um, and the same mm. would go for a movie. Like 
news. I don't know if people know this, but um, there's a great Morgan, Sport, Morgan Spurlock documentary. Uh, he's the guy who made Supersize Me, and it's all about how movies are now just about 90% funded, not actually by production houses, but by the products that are hidden within the films themselves through product placement. That's not advertised within watching the movie, within the context of the film itself. I assume that whenever I consume media, it is riddled with advertising. And I'm really surprised to see from the comments that most people feel that Instagram, I would say social media, but really largely Instagram, for some reason is not. Am am I like a weird outlier here? Um, Am I in the wrong? I think we're probably... No, we're probably just more exposed to the medium. Right. I would say we, we, having worked in it, in pretty much every level of advertisement, both you and I, we uh, we are both and have both been in meetings where we have worked out how to try to trick people into consuming things yeah. that involve product. Yeah, and how to work so, product uh, into things that where they might not naturally sit. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Exactly right. And we've so probably both you, been. We've both had companies reach out to us asking for mm. this exact thing. And I mean, not not a dozen times a day, but f- for the time when I was in breakfast radio, it was very, very frequent. Very, very frequent. Yeah. And I got to be honest with you, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's so good. Getting free stuff is like the best thing in the world. And it completely destroys your perception of what things actually cost. Because when you actually get offered something for free, you go, ah. Oh, there is no real value to this item. Like I can, I can have this for free and someone else has to pay X amount of dollars for some magical reason. And you quickly lose faith in humanity in and lose faith in capitalism in general. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I do think people are often quite ignorant mm. to how subliminally advertised we are to the point where there's this great, and I, um, when I was studying marketing in university, they showed us this incredible video where they had two of the top advertising execs uh, over in the UK and they wanted to do this thing. And these were two of considered the most creative uh, people out there. And so they went and picked them both up in a taxi and they drove them across London and they drove them to a studio And a guy walked in with a piece of paper that was folded in half and he put it down on the desk. And then he said, I want you both independently to create advertising campaigns for a pet cemetery. I want you to create a poster for this pet cemetery. And you both have half an hour. And he gave them some pens for them to map some stuff out. Anyway, they both did it. Comes back in at the end of the half an hour. They both present theirs. And both of theirs were very, very similar. It was essentially uh, the pearly gates up in the clouds and it was like a cat and a dog going through it and it was and had the pet cemetery logo above. He then opened up the piece of paper that he brought in initially and it was basically a mirror image of both their posters. And then he went back and showed the footage of them being driven in the taxi to the room to do this. And they had intentionally driven them on a certain route that would drive them past this thing that looked like the pearly gates, past this thing that was a cat and dog, past a billboard full of uh, clouds. And essentially, they had subliminally placed all those images into their heads. And then these two creative geniuses had assumed it was their clouds of brilliance that they had put forward. And it is freaky how good advertisers are at intercepting your subconscious now you won't even they're studying brain waves they study the way your brain waves react to certain ads so don't you know if you think crazy shit is going on 
in the world of artificial intelligence or in the world of quantum computing, don't think that the same crazy shit isn't being applied to how to make money out of you as a consumer. How to pull money out of your bank account. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. What an incredible, you got to share this video. Let's, if you can find it. I mean, and this was 10 years ago that they were already aware enough Mm. of how to do this. So when social media popped up, it was basically, I remember discussing it. It's the fucking wild, wild west of advertising because all of a sudden, all the restrictions are gone and you can have it like, let me put it this way. Toyota can't do an ad. The, the majority of car ads you see where they're trying to show off the performance of a car. They can't. I yeah. don't know if you've noticed this. Well, they're always off-road. It's always so in the desert always, or in a salt in flat desert, or something like that. Some, yeah. Yeah. Somewhere where you're allowed to drive like a dickhead. Um, when... So all those restrictions, restrictions around alcohol, restrictions around gambling. Like I, the, the thing that amazes me the most in Australia at the moment is some of the, like, say back in the day, in the 90s, you'd be part of D-Generation. Or in the early 2000s, you'd be part of what was like shortcuts, the sketch shows that were on, those uh, sketch comedy shows mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, and there was a few Australian versions. Um uh, anyway, Rebel Wilson was in one of them. Some other people were in others. Uh, Tom Gleason was yeah. in one where he was little red. Anyway, all those, all the our generation that would be in those shows are working for Sportsbet and Ladbrokes, and they're writing three minute sketches of how to get you involved into thinking that Sportsbet and Ladbrokes are your mates. Mm. It's it's wild. So yeah, I, I've got to say I'm still caught up on the video. I really, if you, if we can find that, we're going to put it into a into the Facebook group off air podcast community. Yeah, I've got a question for you, just just to do with this. If I'm driving along the highway and I see a billboard and it has Brad Pitt on it, and it and he, he's mm-hmm. there saying tag your best watches, that doesn't say anywhere this is sponsored content. It's assumed that because it's on a billboard. It's it's an ad. Why do you think it is that people don't look at social media in the same way? <laughs> Thanks, Microsoft. What was there? Thank you. Um, I don't know. That's a really hard question. I think because it's intimate. I think first and foremost, it's an extremely intimate medium. It's a medium that you share interpersonally with yourself, and you build these relationships with these influences, and, and the and. Instagram pages that do well are very personal. Mm. It's almost like you're getting a behind the scenes to that person's life because you'll still see the big shit they do. Say it's an actor or it's a model. Yeah, they'll go be in campaigns for things. But when you go to their Instagram, it's like the look I'm I'm about to get photographed or it's the yeah. I'm walking to the gym. So you immediately have a greater trust of these people because you feel like they're being authentic to you. Uh, and that's the only really real reason I could think. I mean, that's why radio show uh, Instagram pages don't do particularly well or, or traditional media pages don't do well. Say like, I'm sure the home and away Instagram page is pretty shit, but an actor from home and away might have an probably has a great yeah. Instagram page. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, you feel like you're, you're personally interacting with them in exactly the same way you'd personally interact with your friends. I had an interesting conversation about this with Ellie, my partner, last night, and she was mm. not on the same page as me. She totally disagrees. And we were looking at some of the different influencer pages. Um, and I was saying, see, look, this is sponsored content, but it's not tagged. And she was saying, no, it's not. That's a part of this woman's life. And I said, but how do you know? And she said, because I know her. 
I've followed her for years. I've listened to her podcast. And I think that that connection, she's going to hate me saying this because she can't defend herself <laughs> right now. But that connection, the, the fact that she felt that she had a personal connection with this woman um, and that she had that inherent trust, I think that's exactly what we're talking mm. about. Um, but it's worth pointing out, it can be both. It can totally be both. It can be sponsored content and a product that they believe yeah. in and use every day. So there is still that. And, and the best brand ambassadors are those people. Story number three. So, Nick, this one uh, actually popped up a couple of weeks ago, but I've been dying to squeeze this in. Elon Musk has demonstrated Neuralink successfully on a freaking monkey. So Neuralink, <laughs> uh, if you didn't know, is one of Elon Musk's side projects, and it's potentially the one that will have the biggest impact on human history. If he pulls this off, this will blow Tesla and SpaceX out of the water. The goal is to eventually be able to directly implant a computer chip into our brains so that we can have access to the internet with our thoughts, making us actual legitimate cyborgs. It's not out of a movie. They're actually working on it. Um, we did this story a couple of months ago when they implanted the chip into a pig's brain. Uh, pig, not very exciting. It was just showing that we can put it in an animal and the animal doesn't explode. But now they've put it in a monkey's brain and they've tested it. And there's a video that they've released of the monkey playing a video game with its mind using the internet mm. from its brain on a screen. Did you see this video, Nick? Oh, yeah. Of course I saw this video. It's freaking awesome. It's so it's so out there on the realm of things that we thought was going to be possible, I think, in our lifetime. It's, it's bizarre. I mean, it's a fusion and it's an interface. So instead of having to press things on your phone to get the answer to anything, you can just think and it's there. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, initially, I really liked the thought process behind what they're initially trying to uh, do, which is help people who've uh, had amputations mm -hmm. or had severe spinal injuries and things like that. They're trying to help them be able to reprogram and work better with bionic limbs. But essentially, we're reaching that point in, what was the Robin Williams movie? Uh, oh, where he's, he's a, robot? a robot? Yeah. Yeah. And they My deem robot? That is he... that a different one? I don't know. No, I don't think it is Mr... Anyway, and they have end up deeming that he is equally as human as any of the other humans around. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and because he chooses to die at some point, that's where we're getting to. Elon, it's so curious because Elon is so skeptical. And I love the way we all say Elon as if we're like we friends know him. with him. He is so skeptical of artificial intelligence, yet he is careening us towards a path where we will be entirely interlinked with computers. There are not many individual human beings as responsible for the path that we're on as he is. Like he is, yeah. you, you, there's probably three or four people in the world on the planet alive right now. He's one of them who are owning this movement so much. Do you think that this is, uh, would, would you say that this is the, the end of the world or the start? I, I, I know, like it sounds so conspiracy. It sounds like a conspiracy theory. It sounds like we're talking about sci-fi movies. This is actually real. The company's doing it right now. It's in a monkey and it works. It's not far from happening to humans. Is this going to be the end of the world or is it going to be the start of a great new phase of humanity? I have thought about this a lot, especially recently for some strange reason. And my question back to you, and you shouldn't answer a question with a question is, 
what is the negative of this happening? I think immediately we all get very, that feels weird. It yeah. feels weird that this is, this is going on and I don't understand. Uh, it's, it's beyond my comprehension and I can't see where the future is going. But when you actually break it down, what is the shit thing about this? What's the bad part? Okay, so I have responses to both parts of what you just said. Firstly, when you said, oh, this is weird and da-da-da, um, like the world would have had the same thoughts when we were talking about Wi-Fi. So even though it just feels weird, like if I said to somebody 100 years ago, okay, we're going to take all the information on the planet and we're going to float it around you everywhere um, and certain devices are going to be able to tap into it, you'd be like, Fuck that. I don't want that anywhere near me. That's going to make my brain explode. No, thank you. So, you know, the world just, we just, there's Wi-Fi floating around me right now. I don't think about it. The world moves on. In answer to your question about what is the potential downfall of this or what is the, what is the true negative? I think that one of the unspoken um, negatives is the impact on classism around the world. Um, and we spoke about this last time when, when they put it into the pig, um, Mm. what we are essentially creating at the moment, all humans are pretty much born equal. You know, this one might be a little bit smarter. This one might be a little bit faster, whatever. We're all pretty much within the same spectrum. Then you start to add society and money into it. And this person gets to go to a better school and this person doesn't. And so we start to spread that spectrum of opportunity wider and wider now we're putting internet into people's brains what we are potentially (laughs) going to create is a class system that is so unbreakable that wealthy people like there is no way that if there is a wealthy person that has this and a poorer person there's no way that that poor person is going to be able to even compete when it comes to education and then performance in in getting a job in getting a high level academic job because this person, why? Because they have the internet in their brain. You wouldn't. Yeah, so I've got the internet in my pocket. Yeah, but think about how much faster you would be. You like it. Would... <laughs> That's an assumption. It's not. It's not my Neuralink at this point mm. in time. And I do agree with you on the class mm. uh, side of things. It does create a massive level of inequality. But we're not talking about something that is going to improve your cognitive functions it'll improve your ability to access information mm-hmm. but it can't necessarily make you think better does, uh, does that make sense yeah from the perspective it can't it can't improve your way of analyzing and reacting to situations yes it would be a giant benefit but the the difference between me it's having it in my head it's it's a, in tool, a phone, and it's some tool. people it's only as good as the person that's using mm-hmm. it yeah So it's very interesting that you say that there's been um, a number of studies done on uh, neuroplasticity and how our brains have changed over the last Mm. like 30 or 40 years. And what's very interesting is uh, our brains work completely differently to our parents' brains because we grew Mm. up in a time where all of the information in the world was accessible, but it's, it just lives on the internet. So we don't actually remember a great deal at all when it comes to cold hard facts Um, because all we need to remember is that that fact exists somewhere and is out there and I need to remember the pathway in order to get it. Whereas for our parents or to go further back, our grandparents or great-grandparents, if we go all the way back to great-grandparents, when they were given a piece of information, boy, you better hold on to it 
because otherwise, because <laughs> otherwise, I got to take a horse and carriage across town to a to a yeah. bloody library and then sort through a Dewey Decimal system to find that one piece of information. That's half a day gone to find that one thing. Mm. So, brains have changed tremendously um, in the last few generations, and I guess what you're saying is that. Uh, you're still only going to be as good as you are at using that tool that's implanted in your brain. It's still a massive head start. Oh, it is. It is. And and I'm thinking about it from the, it will make you better at debating, eh? which is which is how a lot of things are still decided on this planet. So from that perspective, uh, because I think it's worth pointing out as well that the flip side to what you were saying about the we're not as good at information retention what we're actually superstars at, like what we would be superhumans at if you were to take us back a hundred years is problem solving. What we're fantastic at is breaking down questions and complex questions and reaching a way to get answers. That's, that's sort of the flip side of us losing that knowledge retention is, is us being able to formulate ways to get places. And if you had that in your head while you're in the middle of a debate or a political debate or some sort of format like that, then you don't need to, because that's where you get shown out. In our society at the moment, it's it's that's the line. Is you say like, something, I say you Google it. <laughs> exactly right. But if you know it in your head and you're in a formalized, you're debate, never wrong. Then that exactly right. So if you had Neuralink, you would never be wrong, uh, and you could summons any sort of information. I, I I'm pro Neuralink. I think it's a step forward. Um, would you get it? Fuck yeah. The second it's about, <laughs> I would mortgage a house to get that thing. Imagine. I think it would be very, very strange. I think it would be a very strange experience, but I would, uh, absolutely, absolutely sign up. Would Surely you would. You would love to have that in your head. Yeah, I think I will. I, I would take the advantage if, if it got to a point that it was, um, medically sound and trustworthy, then yeah, I I think if you weren't to get it, then you would. If it was accessible to you, if you were financially able to get it, then it would be an incredible investment in your career if you were at a point where you still wanted to continue to grow because you would be able to perform at such a higher level that you would be able to make so much more money back. Um, so yeah, I would I would completely do it. I reckon you would want... I think not only... But what what were you going to say? I reckon I, can, I reckon you want to do it because the monkey was able to play the, play the video games without using its hands. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I do question at, at what point do we start within our life? I feel like within our lifetimes we're going to reach a point where humans are nearly entirely superfluous to the day to day operations of our planet. I actually think that that's a very genuine thing that's going to happen. And we could probably get there now. But at what point do we just all morph into the matrix? At what, at what point do we stop having to work? There's universal income. We all have a, a similar parity around what we do. And we're all just hanging out thinking. You know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh... And, and what is the revolution going to be then of the people that uh, – is that the vegans and anti-vaxxers that are on the other side and they're living in communes out in the woods while we're all in our collective hives? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing. I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, all of those things that you listed about like universal income and, and yeah, it it's, sounds like a great existence, but I don't know. It's scary. I think we 
good things. I'm yeah. pro that. I mean, we're reaching a point where quantum computing is able to compute, you know, able to do calculations in a in a fraction of a second that it would take a human being uh, 500 years to do. Mm-hmm. So we're we're on the precipice of our technology moving forward at such a rate that we can we have no control over it anymore, and that's mm-hmm. a really curious time to be. You know, no one else has ever been in that point in time in the history of the world. The one thing that we know, the one spanner that that you can throw into the works as well, it, just in that classism debate, is um, the question of how long that classism breakdown would actually last. Because like every technology that we've seen invented, whether you talk about the iPhone or a SIM card or the internet, at the beginning, it creates a classless system where the top people have access to something. And every argument that we made, you could have made using the internet 20 or 30 years ago. But eventually, something becomes cheaper and something becomes more accessible. And then you create a system where if everybody had it, like if it became accessible and everybody had it, then all of a sudden you have a world where uh, education is completely accessible from anywhere in your freaking brain. You could learn in your sleep. Uh, like what a way to just absolutely level up the whole planet. It's very free. Well, that goes, I mean, that goes back to the beauty of the internet though. When you mm. mentioned the internet, the critical the decision that was made because the guys that invented the internet aren't wealthy. Like they didn't get wealthy from the internet because they made a critical decision that instead of selling that technology to corporations and corporations having uh, intranets or, or, or their own internet setups, they decided they were going to make it free to anyone ever. And that was a decision they made. So it's always about, you know, it goes back to a base question of humanity and what do you think humans will do? Because, I mean, you look at it at the moment, we are governed in the entire history of humanity. We have always been governed by the amount of energy we can generate. So when we, in, when we at some point, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, we learned how to harness fire and that gave us the ability to cook meat, which gave us the ability to have food for a longer period of time, which allowed us to sustain life through the winter. We reached a point where we had an industrial revolution, where we were then able to harness energy on a higher level through coal. And you look at the developments that happen in society through that. We, we are at the point right now where there is a precipice where we have better ways to get energy and we don't use them because of capitalism, because there are certain entities on this planet that don't want us to have that level of energy because it would hurt their profits. So when you're saying those things, I mean, I, I'm, I might sound really negative here, but I think we're always going to be hamstrung by the elite. It's just it's dependent on how much the elite want us to have. Ultimately, I mean, they obviously went, well, when it comes to phones or Wi-Fi, it's, it's better for everyone to have it. It's not going to be a giant advantage. When it comes to computers in the brain, maybe they're saying, let's hold on to this and just create an entire class of slaves beneath us. <laughs> And that's where it gets scary. And especially when there's one person creating it. And that's the other thing to think about is, you know, you're, you're saying the words elite and blah, blah, blah. But really, there's one person making that decision. And his name is... Oh, man. His name is Elon. Like, how crazy is that? That we're literally talking yeah. about... We're talking about very big ideas. We're talking about human history. And at the end of the day, this is being created by a company owned by one guy. So a guy intentionally fucks up people's finances every couple of months by just choosing to tweet stupid shit. Just tweeting about Doug Yeah. Nick Pick.
Thanks. All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, do you have a Nick pick that you want to send my way? What's your Nick pick? What's your recommendation for me and everybody to get into during the week? If you are into your uh, ER or what's the what's the Great. one that was huge? Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. yeah. On Netflix, there's a show called New Amsterdam. Uh, and it's it's in its third season. You have to watch the third season on Nine Now or Nine Go. Uh, it's really good. I, my fiance and I have been binge watching it. It's a little bit less lovey than Grey's Anatomy and a bit more medical drama. It still really pulls you out occasionally by how utterly unrealistic it is. Like, why is the psychologist meeting people at the ambulance before they go into ER? But it's actually it's a really good drama. Great actors in it, and it's super bingeable. It's easy. It's you know popcorn for the brain. Okay, so that's my. That sounds good. My Nick pick for the week is um, if you like uh, true crime murder podcasts, which everybody does, um, we have mm. found a really cool one. It's called West Cork, and it's a murder that happened in West Cork in Ireland. And every single person in the entire podcast that they get on <laughs> sounds like some Harry Potter character. And it's just great. It's just great. It's a good murder podcast, but the characters are amazing as well. And it feels, I don't know, like when you hear an Australian podcast and they're like, yeah, he was going down the road over there and then he just got stabbed. Like there's not, there's very, something very brutal about it. But when every, everything's yeah. very whimsical and we're walking in the dark fog, it's like it's there's a bit more magic to it. So we're enjoying West Cork. You can find that anywhere. I'll check it out. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Um, uh, we have a face. We've mentioned it a few times. There's a there's a group. If you listen to us, join the group. It's called Off Air Podcast Community. You can get involved and share your thoughts on a bunch of the topics that we discuss each week. Um, and also, feel free to take five seconds to give us some stars or write a nice review, and you'll make our day. Catch you next week. Bye. You've been listening to Off Air. Remember to like and subscribe. People are entitled to the sexual proclivities.